pretend to put some vodka in. Well, I mean, the second one will have vodka in it. I just need a short breather from the alcohol. So I have I have vodka and I have soda. Start the game already! All right. I was recording that first little bit, so I'm going to leave it in and we can tell everybody that you're a big cheater. Oh, no. I did have two glasses of wine in the last one. There's no alcohol in that drink, people. Oh, my God. Telson's a fraud. Well, I okay, yeah, but this is the second episode we're recording tonight, and I'm already a little tipsy, so. It's called nerding under the fucking influence. I'm under the influence. It's not nerding well, get, under the get under under the influence. It's it's not a, not nerding under the the drinking binge. I mean, we're not British. <laughs> All right. Well, just so everybody thinks, yeah, somebody's drinking here. Here's my already vodka and Dr Pepper. Oh, for sure. Here's yeah. the rest of the vodka. <laughs> now my mic is in the way for getting anything on camera, so. It's really, really awkward, but we're going to dump all of this in. How? There's no room left in that glass. Oh, okay. Cheers, fucker. Way to let everybody Jeez. down. Whatever. If you're disappointed by the fact I'm, that I'm not... Now, I'm talking to our audience now. I'm not no longer interested in talking to you. I'm talking directly to our audience. If you are disappointed by the fact that I'm already drunk and not drinking more... All I got to say is, I'm a grown-up. Fuck off. You're not my mom. <laughs> um, uh, and so, it's homemade lemon soda, so it's really nice. And I thought, you know what? I don't think I'm going to adulterate it with vodka the first time. Because I really fair. Don't, I don't like vodka. That's <laughs> oh fair. God. I mean, how long have I been nursing this bottle of vodka? I literally only drink it because I get we get to the point where we're going to record, and I'm like, what if I got to drink? Oh, crap. All I've got left is the vodka. So I see guitars on the wall in the back. Yep. It's, it's making me feel a little bit guilty, actually. Well, that's a guitar. That's that's actually a ukulele. It's, yeah, that's a uke. So I, I need to beg forgiveness now that I've... I've called you out for being a fraud. I got into it last episode talking about being on vacation for, you know, almost two weeks. And honestly, the week leading up to it was just nuts. Yeah. And it's been pretty crazy the couple of days that I've been back. And I haven't had time to finish my bard song yet. I'm. You know what? I'm totally okay with forgiving you for that because I haven't been away and I'm not finished yet either. Now, I do, I do have some spoiling things anything. Down. Yeah, without spoiling it, how's it been going for you? So, I figure um, you've been working on it. Uh, pretty well. I've got, I've got, I think I've got the music sort of figured out. I need to, uh, I need to figure out some kind of a bridge type thing. Like, I have a filler that goes in there right now. I'm not really happy with, and I need. Uh, at least one more verse, probably two. Um, but I have a chorus that I'm really happy with. Um, nice. And I'm happy with the music. So we'll uh, we'll see how it goes. We'll see what the public thinks. 
Have you have you recorded any of it to this point? Or? No, no. I've just literally been rehearsing and, and practicing. I've written it down. Yeah. Uh, you know, not in any kind of way that anyone else would play it the same as me. It's literally a list of chords at the top with a couple of notes about you know hammer-ons, pull-offs, and slides and shit like that. Oh wow, and, you're you're really taking this seriously. Well, yeah, it's music. Good for you. Good yeah. for you. I have not even picked up my guitar. Ah. I spent uh, one night in the hotel room as I was up um, noodling around with some ideas for lyrics. I think I have a couple of ideas for themes, like content, and I've scribbled down some lyrics for them, but I haven't haven't put them to music. I've been kind of humming along in my head with them, and it's, it's going to be pretty rough. Um, I want to nail the chorus and it's not there. Like, and, and I won't be able to do it until I, I've got music to kind of, mm-hmm. kind of put it to. I think it's going to be what I struggle with. The, the, the trying to make it feel bard like, Oh, but nailing the chorus, right? Like, I, like I almost want to go sea shanty. Isn't the right word, but I want it to have that sort of a That's... bunch of people in a tavern being able to sing along mm-hmm. to it kind of energy. Yeah. And I don't know if I'm going to get there or not. Maybe, maybe not. I definitely went in a slightly different direction because mine is is very much the uh, going going back to the um, oh, what's his name? Uh, see, this is the reason that I'm not drinking more alcohol. It's because my brain is already gone um, from from the the wind has no name or whatever the fuck it's called. Okay, quoth quoth. Um, I'm I'm definitely going more in sort of that direction where like here's something you're not supposed to sing along to. Hmm. I I think it's going to have much less of the this is going to be a sing along as opposed to this is a like tap your foot and listen to. Uh which if it if it's good enough I think can be like elevated but if it's not good enough it just becomes I don't really want to listen to this. As opposed to like if you've got something you can sing along to even if it's not as good it's much more enjoyable because you can sing along to it so is is it more minstrelly what you've got going on or? <sighs> um yeah a little bit maybe uh i'm not it's it's definitely more contemporary bard than classical bard mhm um cuz i don't i don't do classical real well mm. it's just not my it's not my style it's really not my bag baby mm. i should have considered the fact that you were a closet troubadour before i decided to uh <laughs> pitch this as a challenge i actually i have already figured out what the next challenge is going to be so i see the guitar and i see the mandolin or the uke rather yeah um are you recording on the uke or are you recording on the guitar no it's it's the guitar the ukulele the strings on it are probably 20 years old like they are they are not quite in tune at the nut, and they are far out of tune on fret one. So, yeah, it's not really playable. It's for display purposes, basically. Uh, I thought about doing it on Tanya's dulcimer that I got her, and then um, I talked myself out of it. More because it's, it's, I mean, it's limiting. Like, it's it's open chord, very, very limited in what you can can play with like what I got her. Um, but then uh, in going down to visit Olivia and Tempe, uh, her husband, Daniel's mother, we went to her house for Halloween. 
a little bit nicer neighborhood to take Tempe out trick-or-treating. And I just happened to be looking around in the one room and she had this like fairly antique, but really, really high-end mountain dulcimer just sort of leaning against the wall behind a chair. Mm -hmm. I didn't pick it up. But it made me think, oh, I really should consider consider using the dulcimer instead of the guitar. I don't think I'm going to do it, but... It would be a challenge. It would be an extra layer of challenge. Yeah, it's not that playing it is so much more difficult, because you can play it basically like a banjo, but um, it's limiting in a way that a guitar wouldn't, right? Because you don't have, like, full pentatonic scale kind of stuff. Right. So you just you got to take that into consideration when you're making the music. Yeah. But anyway, I need another week or two at least. Yep, and I'm happy to give it to you. I'm I'm much more I'm much more interested in this being fun than I am in it being a struggle. I mean, you know, a time crunch can make for fun too, but uh in this particular thing I I want to do it justice at least. I'm prepared to lose and I'm prepared to lose gracefully. I just don't want to make a fool of myself. Oh, I don't think more than I normally do. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah. So I haven't actually read the notes for this episode. What are we doing? Uh, well, you know what time it is. Uh oh. I used to be an adventurer like you. Stay a while and listen. In terms of episode release dates, I think it's been like four or five weeks since we've had a serious Baldur's Gate 3 talk. And as a, a noted as a noted Baldur's Gate 3 podcast. <laughs> we should probably talk about it. Well, I'm I'm guessing you're starting a new game again. I'm gonna start a new game again. I realize now that there are some achievements that I have to, you know, stretch for. Um, I've done, I, I did, as previously noted, several playthroughs with a custom character. Several? Um, yeah. Is six this or like... seven? I don't know. I've got, I've got more than a hundred hours into the game. And so far I have literally not quite made it to Moonrise Towers. I've been to the end of last light twice. Um, and that's, that's as far as I've gotten. You uh, know, most people will like play through a game before they start playing it again. You know, it's like, let's play through Never. it once and then let's do some if, replays. Like replay value implies play has happened. I, I, there's, I, I can testify to the fact that there's replay value because I've actually enjoyed every single new playthrough. There's some stuff that's starting to get a little bit samey. Like I, I kind of want to just kill everybody in the grove now. Uh, just because it's like, I don't, I don't want to do all of these quests again. Can I just kill these people and move on? Um, but I did, I did a bunch of, of custom characters and they were, you know, they were all fun and it was mostly because I wanted to, Oh, I, you know, like, here's a neat thing. I should have played a bard, you know, or, Oh, I don't like the way that, you know, my gnome looks. So I'm going to change to elf. Um, and then it, the latest thing was, I really want to have a Starion in my party, but I can't stand listening to him or at least not all of his dialogue. Like I don't like talking to him. So I'm playing through as a Starian, right? Because I enjoy the voice actor. I just find the character annoying. Yeah. So now I'm gonna I'm gonna start again. I think I might go through as Lazel this time because I don't. I'm not really enjoying playing a rogue. And yeah, I know I can respect him, but 
He's a rogue. Although I, he would be hilarious as a bard. Just make a character, man. I like you. The, you miss out on so much of the the. Well, I don't know. I don't want to say you miss out, but having those character stories as something that you as somebody else as another person contribute and help like get them through i can't say that they would be lessened by the fact that you're you're playing as the character but i can say that some of them are really 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 good once you get to the point where you're really helping these other characters through their arc and shape their decisions i think that there, there's some arc that happens when you're playing as those characters i was gonna one of the things that i was gonna say is that like if you didn't give me a choice and you just said like you are commander shepherd i'd probably have finished the game by now uh because a large part of of what makes me start again is oh i should have done this right and then i go back so that i can do that and yeah so, i could go back so, and do that in a new playthrough but i just don't so let me ask you this question as a D player Do you have these same urges that you just sort of repress by thinking that you're just going to be wasting people's time? Is yes, a hundred percent, a hundred percent. In any game that I have ever played, and in many of the games that I've DM'd, I make many, many characters with not a lot of depth of backstory, but just a concept of like this player, this this character. Would oh, be I cool think that's here. a natural tendency to just create a stable of like alts that. You know, because like the exercise of creating characters is fun. Yep. But to have to go through the same yeah. starting story over and over and over again because of the acuteness of your altitis, I must say, is it's it's a problem. I, I have a problem. I am now what I will my say, I've seen enough. I haven't I haven't started a replay yet. Uh, I've been into Starfield, and I'll talk about that a little bit later. I think I'm gonna gonna give the Cyberpunk an expansion uh, a go before I get back into Baldur's Gate again. But I'm definitely gonna give it at least one replay. But based on the conversations I've had with you uh, and some other people, one of my coworkers, Paul, has uh, recently restarted, and I've been watching the occasional YouTube short that pops up in my feed about just how different certain oh, yeah. situations can go down, like the depth and, and, and the planning that had to go into even just making sure all the dialogue is there. Some of the dialogue is a little bit uh, wonky because there's some, some dialogue choices that, uh, that I think are set to pop up when certain things happen, but you can also trigger them early by getting like, for example, right now I am, uh, I have just, I'm just getting into, I've done everything else in act one and I'm getting to the crash, uh, on the playthrough I'm at right now. I am at 100 approved, 100% approval with Gale. I'm at 92 or 93 with shadow heart and i'm at 95 or 96 with lazel so basically every every possible character interaction i think that happens in act one i've had right um like all of the like i'm oh my god i'm a you know priest of of you know dark goddess lady yeah that was that was a shocker um 
you know, yeah, some it's, it's right on your, your chest hammer there. Honey. Yeah, it's like right here. <laughs> like you're you're literally wearing it on, on your sleeve. Uh you know, like Gail has had all of the conversations with me. Um but at the same time, like there's but also when you're going through like we had the conversation where Shadowheart wants to be a dark just to see her and blah blah blah. Not my mother mother, mind you, mother superior at the place. Um, but then you go into the place where you find the temple and she's like, I've always wanted to be a dark justice here. Yeah, I know we've had this exact conversation already. So it's not perfect, but it is, I agree, very, very good. Um, the conversations that you can have with Minthara, if you're a male drow, are hilarious. Yeah. Because I don't she, know that I could do it like an evil enough playthrough no. to really warrant, uh, siding with her and, and not having Halson. Uh, I really didn't get a lot out of him as a character. I don't um, care for him at all. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I'm a little sad that I really didn't, like, my romance shit bugged out in my playthrough. Uh, but Paul's starting a new playthrough again, but he was talking about his other playthrough, and just the, the funty, funniest mental image came out of it. He was playing as a gnome. Yeah. That that Lazel was aggressively pursuing sexually. <laughs> so he's just describing these scenes where like Lazel comes at him in the middle of the night with a knife, you know, looking for a roll. And he's just this little gnome just <laughs> panicking and going along with it. <laughs> uh, she's a, she's aggressive sexually. There's no doubt about that. The uh, the mental image though of a gnome, it's just yeah, so perfect because like that's not what Lazel would go for. I think, but the fact that you're the main player, I mean, she she does, and 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 it's great. You know, all of her talk <sighs> about weakness and and you know yeah. strength and 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 all of that shit, and this is like little gnome wizard. And yeah. she's into it. It's 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 a bit wonky. Yeah, I mean, there's you. There has to be a certain amount of suspension of disbelief, right? Because oh, and I'm I'm not talking about it like it's a negative. Honestly, this mental image has yeah. put a smile on my face more times in the last week than almost anything else has. It is <sighs> the funniest thought. the The character interactions in general are just really good. Yeah. I'm uh, I'm seriously thinking about like doing a, a <sighs> I don't know like an all melee playthrough because one of the things that I've found is like I'm playing on Tactician and it's still not hard mm -hmm. right there's a few places where it's like okay this like the hag fight was really uh, like I lost it once um, because the hag got um, like first initiative and every single one of her images cast hold person and they all landed. Okay. So literally you just, you sit there and watch as turn after turn after turn after turn of killing off your, your party just happens. Right. You're and talking the, about the anti-ethyl in her yeah. house. Okay. Yeah. I have never made a deal with her. I've always gotten to the point where I fight her. Yeah. Because she's just disagreeable. Oh, the whole situation is just intentionally off-putting. Like, yeah, yeah. Here, lady, I'll give you my eye. Um, 
No, I, I'm pretty sure that like every, every character in creation knows exactly what a hag is going to do with your eye. Like you're going to be looking through this thing for the rest of my life. No. (laughs) Anyway. Uh, yeah. So like there's, there's a couple of things like that, but I'm, I, one of the the things is, is like when you have, uh, like a wizard with AOE capability in your party, I'm thinking I'm going to go almost like anti-spell. Yeah. Right. Where, uh, you know, like, I'll probably take Shadowheart because I, I do find her story intriguing, even though I haven't followed it very far. Um, but just have her like, these are the spells I've got. I'm not carrying any extra scrolls because I don't need them. Now, what I will say, and I know you haven't really pushed far enough to get into it too much, but like, you can go through every character's story without actually having them as a regular in your party. Oh, I know. Like, you can gain an enough approval and stuff with them that you can just be like, okay, like I, I almost never had a staring in my party and um, still got to go through his, his story. And actually a save for shadow hearts. I think it was probably my favorite um, in the way that it. It's big. Him, and of course you can go different directions with it, but the way it went for me, like it gave him a satisfying enough arc that like, I forgave him for being such a insufferable ass for the the first <laughs> ten hours of the game kind of thing. That's that is the trouble. Like that's the thing. I, like I see Asterion is annoying. Lazel is. I've definitely played with players like that. Right. the uh, The thing is, is that Lazel actually becomes more understandable and less disagreeable as the game goes on for me mm-hmm. right like you you get an understanding of why um which which gives it a little bit less yeah there's there's enough stuff about the 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 gif if yankee yeah. specifically and stuff that like you can draw that out and yeah. give it context but she's very much the the stock almost like everybody's first D character right the the broody gruff yep you know yes the the thing is is that like so she and Astarian are are off-putting especially for new players i can see that like because there's there's a lot of people i see online talking about like why would you even have these people in your party and it's a good question like in a in a party of pcs as the dm i'd be taking that player aside and saying why are you with this party like you obviously see them as vastly inferior to you and you think that you don't need them why are you here um and it's uh there's an interesting thing i don't know if you romanced lazelle no nope. uh okay so i did and or i mean i haven't gotten to the point where it's like you know we're exclusive or whatever she's just like i'll come and find you if i have needs uh but my yeah. approval is high enough that i was able to ask like hey if you respect me so much why are you so rude all the time and her answer is basically like my entire life has been a fight for survival. This is who I am. Right. Mm-hmm. Everything, everything is very direct and abrupt. And that's, that's just the way that my life is. So, I mean, there's, there's some justification for it anyway. And she does there become is, more. And her, well, and, and the way her story unfolds later is also pretty satisfying because without spoiling it, 
the game really challenges her preconceptions as a character. And you obviously have choices to either double down on it with her, or you can nudge her into seeing things hey, from a different perspective and, and, hey, and making Vlacketh different choices. Hey, Vlacketh is a bitch, and Orpheus was actually right. I, I haven't gotten to that point yet, but I yeah. can. It's it's telegraphed enough that I can see it coming. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. And I'm sure that you know it it might play out differently if you make the other choices. You know, the other side of the binary probably gets shaped and molded a little bit differently. Again, I've only done the one playthrough. My only romantic interaction with Lazel was uh, at the little party thing in the camp after the Grove. Yeah, uh, I think I, I, I kind of got a got a kick out of it because it was before the early patches where I think they toned it. I don't want to say toned down. They definitely didn't tone down the horny, but I think they 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 adjusted it so that it wasn't all happening at once. But literally, like. We were having the party thing, and Shadowheart was just the first character I spoke to. And she yeah. was, hey, why don't you come and have a drink with me or something like that, right? Right. Apparently, that meant that we were in a relationship because I immediately Never. went to Lazel afterwards because she was just next in my route. And Lazel was immediately like, you could have known Paradise, you know, with me, but you fucking around with that floozy kind of thing and it's like what yeah there was because i i did i was because you had told me that story before i got to that point i was very careful to go um at that point i was romancing carlac which i i had to give up on because like carlac feels like too much of a real person to me it makes me uncomfortable i literally felt like <laughs> i feel like i'm being dear wife I did. I apologize. Yeah. I, I told her about it and I apologized to her because I'm like, I felt like I was being unfaithful, right? Like this is, this is, I mean, it's obviously not real, but at the same time, like it, it feels like a real person, right? Mm -hmm. It would be like flirting with somebody over, over uh, texts or something. Right. And flirting is probably okay, but like flirting, like, Hey, heavy flirting nasty things yeah they do i mean her character is just phenomenal i wasn't satisfied with the way like the things ended with her character for me i didn't know the romance with her but um her like it's a is fleshed out happy. character with personality like she's just she feels real like a yeah. real person yeah yeah, yeah so and, I mean... and you know a lot of the characters do but they're they're you know like somebody like gail for instance there's just so much weird around his character that even though his personality feels like super real yeah it he's still a little cartoonish right mm. yes very cartoonish and yeah and so carlac's a character that should feel cartoonish and she's not at all she, no she just feels she feels like people i knew when i was 15 right um, anyway, so having been warned, uh, I talked to Carlac first and she was like, blah, 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 just save some for me. And I'm like, okay. And then I went and talked to Lazel, who was like, you know, I'm going to like trip you and beat you to the ground. And then I went and talked to Shadowheart and she says, do you want to have a drink? And I said, well, okay, yes, just a drink though. Right. And she's like, yeah, just a drink. And we just, just had a drink. So, yeah. And I didn't get that second option when I talked to Shadowheart first. Yeah. So. Things have definitely changed a bit. Oh, uh, there's one thing. Uh, it, you should maybe go back to an old save game. If you're at the party and you have uh, you have the ability to play an instrument, 
if you start playing an instrument next to Alfira at that party, she will take out an instrument and play along with you. And like a couple of other people will pop over and you will have like a little jam session going. And the whole party comes towards you with like, Hey, cool. You know that that's great music. Do you know something? So-and-so by the such and such. And it's like, Oh, that's a neat little interaction. Free bird. Yeah. Pretty much that. Yeah. There's a whole bunch of neat little Easter eggs that are, are cool. So playing through as a Starian, I didn't even didn't even consider it. We got to the uh, the little fort thing at the beginning. You know the looters who are trying to go through the 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 temple where you meet Rift or Jim or whatever uh, the the dead god guy that you pull out of the casket. Uh, he he, you can respec with him. You know the guy I'm talking. Oh, about? Withers, Withers, Withers. Yeah. yeah. Um, so not even thinking about it, I'm like, oh, I'm down a few hit points. I'll just bite this guy. <laughs> so I bit him, right? And in the middle of combat, Shadowhatch like is like, oh my god, you're a vampire, right? And then as soon as as soon as combat ends, you have like this this discussion thing, right? Um, and this is where I discovered that not all of the dialogue options are really like some of the the you you can definitely torque them to the point where they don't make sense. Yeah. Because later on, um, after I had enough approval with Shadowheart, I was able to confess to her that I was a vampire. And she was like, you know, I always kind of thought so. <laughs> it's like we had this conversation five minutes after we met. Yeah, it didn't feel unnatural. It just it was very definitely out of place. Uh, so how much of that is legit and how much of that is just you recalling conversations from one of your 17 previous playthroughs? Well, um, I, I've been pretty faithful to this one for a bit now. Like the whole time that you were on vacation, I was doing this one playthrough. So, uh, faithful, he says, as he's restarting. Yeah. Well, you know. Baldur's Gate. You haven't seen Baldur's Gate yet. Well, Hundred hours in. You haven't hey, seen Baldur's Gate. I've been playing Baldur's Gate one for like twenty years now, and I still haven't seen Baldur's Gate. But in playing it for twenty years, you've probably got what three hours of playtime into it. Oh no 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 no! I probably have a couple of hundred hours into it. Honestly. Yeah. Yeah, I have gotten to the point where I had most of the map explored before you get to Baldur's Gate. Um, yeah, I got to the point where like you were leveled to, to where combat was reasonably easy. Yeah. I played it straight through way, way back in the day when it originally came out. And then in my attempt at a replay, I got to that first mine cave system once you're, yeah. you're kind With of out on your own. Yeah, it's like... This is insufferably like painful. I just can't, and I, I couldn't even point to what it was about it. The combination, obviously, of it just being really dated, the the UI and all of that. But there was just—I don't know if it was the old D and D system uh, or what it was, but it just—it was a bit of a slog. It was, it was very slow. Um, I've actually had to to change my thinking when in playing Baldur's Gate Three to remind myself slow down it is not a race 
because mm-hmm. I find myself in turn-based combat going, I have to rush to choose a spell to collect the thing and target the, uh-oh, I just cast Fireball at Lazel. That's bad. Um, It's been a while since we've had a, like, a real turn-based game like that. A long time, yeah. Uh, funny thing that happened, uh, when you get to the temple above the crash, right, there's those magic, the, the cats that have the allergy to magic. I don't think I saw those. Oh, man, you missed out on some things. You cast oh, spells I definitely them. missed out on a lot of stuff. Um, you cast spells at them, and they basically have like a wild magic feature that happens when you do that. Um, <laughs> but I had done the, did you see the drunken kobolds? Yes. Okay. Well, so they immediately attacked me. Okay. In the little Let's... brewery thing right beside. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Right. So like two rooms over are these these drunken cats. Um but there's there's I picked up a bunch of the fire wine barrels, which have kobolds in them. <laughs> right? I didn't know that at the time. Uh so when I got to these cats that are allergic to magic, I knew they were allergic to magic because if you Gale actually does a, an arcana check and says, oh, they're allergic to magic. i got to be careful about my spells. So I'm like, all right, well, I'll throw these fire wine barrels at them and then light them on fire and they'll all be on fire and it'll be great. But the thing is, you throw the barrel and a kobold pops out and they all immediately attack the kobold. So it's basically like this, you know, this group of kobolds now fighting the group of them and I just wait for them to kill each other off and then pick off the stragglers. But it was a very funny thing. Because you throw this barrel and this kobold stands there going, what? Where am I? What am I? What? <laughs> There's lots of neat little things that just happen in this game. My second playthrough will very much be like, I'm going to speak with animals, everything. Like, I, I didn't get to see any of that side of the game. And like, there's a lot there, apparently. There's a bunch. There's a lot of, like, the in the grove, there's, I don't know, the one kid maybe that stole the thing. I think you can direct the conversation with her, or maybe it's another thing where she's like, I'm going to go to Baldur's Gate and start a thieves guild. Yep. And I don't really know like where that goes, but like, I know it exists and I'm going to try and try and catch those things in my other playthrough. Yeah. You know, it's, it's rare that like I was so engaged with the main storyline. Normally I don't have a difficult time putting the main storyline aside and exploring the side stuff. But it it both was just engaging enough. I wanted to get more. And also, even though I know there wasn't actual urgency, it created enough sense of urgency that I felt like I should be doing it, which is, yeah. you know, a testament to, to how well the game was written. Yeah. The writing is really, really good like that. I mean, it deserves game of the year. Yeah. And I think it probably is a shoe in for it. Um, uh, not that it means anything, but you know, I'm sure like the the Spider-Man sequel will probably get some some love. Mm-hmm. But uh, there hasn't been a lot out there that I think is on that level. And complete surprise, you know, I don't think anybody was expecting what we got. I mean, I was expecting it to be good. I wasn't expecting it to be this good. I was expecting it to be good for people that like Dungeons and Dragons and turn-based RPGs. I wasn't expecting it to be so good that it drew mainstream people into it like it did. And they weren't even has. expecting it to be that good. No, 
The one thing that I really wish it had, because I do very much enjoy the combat system, I wish there was a, uh, I don't know, like an arena tournament dungeon mode where you literally just go choose your characters, choose your, you know, pick a certain amount of money's worth of, of equipment, and then, you know, survival combat and go until you're, until you're dead just yeah. for, for fun. Try and get high score. I wouldn't be surprised we get that in some sort of DLC. I know that Divinity Original Sin 2 had a, like a DM mode. I don't know if we'll get that for this though, just yeah. because of the VTT that, uh, that Wizards of the Coast is trying to bring out. Yeah. But if we can get like a dungeon designer, I think that'd, that'd be, be, that'd be interesting. Yeah. Some like, uh, like mod tools to actually make new adventures. That'd be pretty sweet. So I've been playing Starfield. Uh, now I haven't played it much in the last couple of weeks because I've been away, but I uh, picked it back up last night. Played a little bit today. I'm... I know I've been shitting on this game. I think I've I've got like 70 hours into it now. So like I'm playing it a lot for a game that I've been shitting on. So I think we need to keep that in mind. Again, I played it right after Baldur's Gate 3. Any other time, I think I would look at this game more positively. I've talked about a lot of the like the weird dated sort of way conversations go down and, and the poor writing in general. Uh, I think her quest designers probably handled most of the, the NPC dialogue. To summarize again, because I've said it before, it really feels like a 10 or 11 year old with a pretty good vocabulary wrote most of the, the dialogue in this game. And after Baldur's Gate 3, it's just painful. Like it's childish and juvenile in a lot of ways and just so utterly simple isn't the right word, but like, you know, it's like the way a child would see a situation. You know, you just set up something with like, oh, you're going to have to do this difficult thing. And you're like, yeah, I'll go talk to them. And, you know, two seconds later, you've you've convinced them to see things your way and, and resolved a situation. You know, it's just very, this is going to be hard. Do one thing. That was easy. Yeah. Let's try to do some interesting things. And, and I think they've also... Um, not gone well. Um, they've tried to elicit some emotions because it's really had a hard time doing that. Where you have an affinity uh, that you develop for characters, kind of like approval rating, but it's basically you can have one extra like NPC character in your party at a time of the the named story NPCs, and I think it's just based on the amount of like time you've had them in your party. But you get to sort of a, a an inflection point in the main storyline where you end up with a a decision to make. You, it's basically you can save the one you like you've spent the most time with, or you can save the next one. One of them's gonna die. You don't you don't have any way of getting around that situation. Hmm. And it feels like you should let the one you've spent the most time with be the one that dies, which is 
interesting because there is a romance component. It, it's not. There isn't a romance scene, really. It is a. We agree we're 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 going to, you know, be a couple now. And now you're talking like you're a couple. Uh, with the one character, at least there's a like a, a wedding scene that you can have. But like there's just, you know, hey, hey, we're a couple now. And, and, and if you like sleep in a bed afterwards, they'll make a comment as if, you know. Something happened the night before, but that's literally the extent of it. Again, a very, very childlike approach to it. But I'd done my 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 romance with the one character, gone through the wedding scene with them, and immediately jumped from that into this scenario that forced me to oh. choose essentially one or the other. And it was a situation where, like, I'm at one place with, I'm not going to say my crew, but there's a group of people that I've been kind of working with for the game. Kind of like a faction, but not really not like a party um and there's like kids here you know there's people there's a legitimate threat here and the person that i just married is up on a space station bleeding out so i have the choice to defend the people that i know are about to be attacked where there's kids or leave them to fend for themselves to go up to the space station to try and save this person that i'm in a relationship with you're not always in a relationship with this person. It just worked out that way in my game. And I stayed to help the, the, the kids in the city that was being attacked. Eh, fuck your kids. <laughs> well, it wasn't even just that. Like, literally, this, this bad guy's coming in to, to fuck up the city. I'm in the city. They've already been up to the space station and done their damage. And there's, you know, character bleeding out. And some other people that are hurt. I can abandon the city, you know, let what's going to happen happen down here without me. Or go up, like, or stay and, and, and let them die up there. Like a real binary choice. An attempt to make you feel something. You know, it's... As much as I was dissatisfied with how Carlac's stuff ended in the game, in Baldur's Gate, um... That legit makes you feel something. Whether you, you have a relationship romantically with Carlac's character or not. They're just, you know, there's a there's a cool bond there. Hmm? Nah. Starfield just ain't it, ma'am. Well I'm enjoying some of the, the shipbuilding and, and, and upgrading and some of the some of the fringe sort of systems stuff. The main story could be good. Like if I were to to, to look at the main story and kind of write out like key beats on a whiteboard. This is kind of what I'm envisioning for the main story. And all I had was those beats should be like, yeah, that could really be fleshed out. Well, that's kind of neat, but they don't, they just, they just keep the beats. Uh, yeah. You know, everything that connects them is just so anemic. <laughs> and very much a red arrow over somebody's head. Would you? With the amount of fast travel and stuff that happens in that game, yeah, it's it's almost like that. It's That's... still worth giving it a giving it a try. Like it's it's 
again, it's that sort of funny thing. And we, we talked about it last episode with the, the Marvel movies. We're just at this point where, yeah, it's, it's good, I guess. Isn't good enough, you know? Yeah. We've got such a high bar. We've played some really, really good games recently. And unfairly or not, that just makes games that are just kind of okay. Not that great. They don't, they don't feel good. And like we used to play games back in the day just because they were new, not because they were good. Well, there were a lot less games back in the day too. That's that's worth a, a consideration. One of the things that that struck me with Baldur's Gate, like sort of looking back on it, so many times, like you get all these quests in Baldur. Well, I shouldn't say you get quests. There are very few quests in Baldur's Gate which you know you talk to a person and they say go get a thing mm-hmm. and bring it back. Now, there's a few of those in or similar type of quests in the Underdark, right? Like you talk to the the mushroom guy and he says go get me so-and-so's head yeah right or you know you talk to to what's her face and she says you know like go get my husband he's lost uh that kind of stuff but most of the things are like you you read something in a book it might be interesting to figure out where that goes right or you know hey we heard about moonrise towers we should go there right that's that's the sort of level of the the quest things yep. that you get yeah, and Starfield's very much... You played through the first Mass Effect game when the Legendary yes. Edition came out. So there's a chunk of that game. Now, Mass Effect's an old game, the first one. So this, you know, I'm not going to criticize it harshly because for its time, it was amazing. But there's a, a, a chunk of that game when you first get to the Citadel where there's a whole bunch of quests that basically equate to go to this part of the Citadel, talk to this person, then go to another part of the Citadel, talk to this person or get this thing, return to that person up there. You know, it's and once you've explored, yeah, once you've explored the Citadel, you can use the fast travel points to make it so that you don't have to walk that way. For the most part, that's Starfield, the game, like all of it that can't you know what if this if the story of fast traveling from point a to point b and finding out what happens next is compelling enough then i think that that could be okay it could be if the story was compelling enough it really doesn't sound like it is it's honestly World of Warcraft level quests without the rest of the MMO to make those types of quests feel, you know, like the small part of the game, you know, in Starfield, it is the game, you know, the exploration component. I mean, it's, there isn't enough variation. What procedurally generated stuff is there. So that gets repetitive pretty quickly. I I get a feeling that there was a lot of stuff that was kind of stripped out of the game last minute because it was half-baked that we'll eventually see, whether that is in like an expansion or DLC or whatever. I I see potential there, you know, uh, but it is not... I'm going to have to go back and play Skyrim. Oh, wow. Because... I just deleted Skyrim today. I don't remember Skyrim 
feeling this way. And I don't know if it's just because it was 2011. Like I tried to play Skyrim once after playing The Witcher 3. And I found it hard then. But I don't. I don't know, man. Again, I've I've got like 70 hours or 80 hours into to Starfield. Fuss Roda. Yeah. Yeah. Cindy wouldn't play Skyrim because she doesn't want to kill dragons. I was so proud it's of understandable. Myself. First time I killed a dragon, I was like, this is the greatest thing ever. And I literally did it with like regular arrows. I was just like boink, 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 dodge around the tower. Boink, boink, boink. You should have just given her the mod to turn the dragons into Thomas the Tank Engine. <laughs> I think the first mod I downloaded was the one that removed all of the clothing skins. So everyone was just naked all the time. It was great. Yeah, that sounds like something you would do. Yeah, it was fun. Uh, I played for about 12 minutes and then it's, it's more wang than novelties. Novelties yeah. worn off. Now yeah. every game you play has, you know, a wang component in your character builder. It's like, do you want penis one, penis two, penis three, vagina one, vagina two, vagina three? Uh, can I have one of each? I'll take three, please. <laughs> the number three? No. Three. All of them, please. Yep. I'll I'll find a use for them, I'm sure. My pants fit like a glove. <laughs> All right. All right. Well, let's uh let's hear what Ian has to say. You've got mail. Hello, Ian. This is actually a holdover one he sent from, from before our break. Did you have any standout school teachers or college professors that influenced you with your career path? Did you find they were supporting or did they meet a lot of friction when wanting to pursue geek nerd careers? Not sure I really understand that last bit of the question, but. Yeah. I mean, that's, it's, yes, I guess. Uh, my my educational background is a little bit checkered, right? Because, I mean, I went to, to high school, and from high school, I went to university for a cup of coffee and then basically went to work. Uh, and then I went back to college. Uh, and my original idea for a career, I mean, I wanted to be kind of what you do now. Um, and I went to university with the idea that I was going to do that. There was, there was nobody at university. I, I only met my professors in university for a single day. I literally went to day one. I went to the midterm and I went to the finals. Uh, there was a guy in high school who I'm sure is dead now. He was an English teacher who was a, a great influence on who I became. Um, I cannot remember his name to save my life. Um, Going back to school, though, like pursuing a, a trade um, at Loyalist College, uh, John Post was a a great influence about like who you can become. Um, I don't know if he's still teaching there or not, but he was the, the head of the program that I took. 
and it was uh it was eye opening what it could be i i don't know about the 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 uh the geek nerd career though i mean really the only one of those that i've really done was at stream and it was an escape from working in a warehouse and it was literally i will take anything and they were hiring so that was that here's here's a shocker for you when i went to work at stream it was a dollar an hour raise from what i was making before not a shocker i mean the pay wasn't great but it was it wasn't minimum wage. It was pretty good for the area at the time. It was. Didn't go anywhere after that, but... Nope. I actually had a conversation at work similar to this the other day. Um, I had a teacher, uh, Miss Van Black, in high school, that... I guess for context, I have to say that what I do for a living now, like I'm primarily in web development, was not a chosen career path. I've always been into computer stuff. Like I was, I was programming in basic at the age of five on a Timex Sinclair 1000. It's always been the hobby and I had other interests for a career. And <laughs> I've just kind of fallen back on the hobby after other things. And in hindsight, I owe a lot to her. Um, why it's funny is that uh, she, when she was no longer teaching in high school, was one of the very early local like web development shops. She ran a web development shop that had some pretty substantial clients back in the day. So we're talking like, 1996 era web shit oh. 98 5. but she never evolved and and when i started with the organization that i'm with now they kind of made fun of her because her stuff in 2008 looked like stuff in 1996 never evolved kind of like her hair she, she was a you look on her website, she's got photos and there's a video. I'll have to kick you the video of you because it's just so very, very 90s until you realize that it was shot in like, I don't know, 2009 or something like that. I mean, if she's still got clients, it ain't broke. Don't fix it. And at that time, I don't think she had a ton left. But despite the fact that she didn't really evolve with the times in the industry, there's no denying that as a teacher in high school, she's a big part of how I got into this. Now, I mentioned that I was always doing programming and shit on the side, but um, when I went to high school, we didn't have a programming course. We didn't have a computers course. I, hell, I was involved in getting our first real computer lab set up at that point. We had a typing course. And we had a course called communications technology. It was sort of bundled in with like the, oh yeah, like the wood shop course and, and that kind of stuff. Like it was very much, you're off in the tech wing with the, 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 the trades. But in that communications technology, uh, I got my first real taste of like proper graphic design stuff. 
a little bit of development, a lot of unconventional things. And I ended up doing stuff with her. And do you remember uh, Becky that used to work at Stream? She was one of the team managers eventually that worked nights. Ah, yeah. I'm not going to mention last names, but I went to high school with her and her and I were actually doing a lot of stuff with Miss Van Vleck on the side. Like she sent us to do video production stuff at TV Ontario at one point, you know, we ended up producing promotional video for, for county stuff. We both had Lyle Van Cleef, just to date it, hand us awards at a presentation down at a, I don't know, some sort of shit that was going on at one point one summer for for tv work that we were doing and all of that was because of this teacher um my introduction to, to audio recording and radio was through her oh so after high school like i never really thought about it too much until i'd landed in the job that i was in now and i came in from a like a marketing program into a shop that was primarily like old school admin style ad agency that during the recession pivoted hard into web development because that was the one thing that stayed busy when everything else went sideways. And I was there saying, yeah, I know how to do that. I've dabbled with that. And that became my job very, very quickly because I'd been doing this shit as a hobby and I had introductions to it and um, I had parents that had a business and, and, and stuff. So I took what I'd learned from her and kind of kept applying it afterwards, um, doing stuff for, for their business, designing ads, doing up a website, things like that. Plus my other nerdy interests. I remember I had a website at one point for our, our ghost recon gaming clan that I'd set up. Mythicore. Yep. Uh, that's deep, deep callbacks. That's uh, that's in the dark ages. Yeah, yeah, that one fell apart to to drama rather quickly, <laughs> as they are wont to do. But anyways, uh, Mr. Black, I owe you one. Thanks. Do you have some parting gifts for us today? I do have a parting gift, and I show you how deep the rabbit hole goes. Anybody want to pin it? This is something, honestly, that I thought that you had told me about. Um, and I, I reached out to you on Discord about it to say, hey, is this something that you told me about? Like, is this a parting gift that you gave me? Um, so the the thing I want to shout out is uh, the Behind the Bastards podcast. It's a guy named Robert Evans. Uh, so he invites a, a comedian guest on every week. And they basically talk about – and it's – uh, it's almost like a Coles Notes version of a deeper study on a subject. Uh, and they, they talk about, like, one of their first episodes was uh, the the stuff you don't hear about Adolf Hitler. They've done Hitler. They've done Stalin. Um, they did uh, King Leopold, which, I mean, he did stuff in the Congo that I was absolutely flabbergasted by learning. Um, so there's... It's like I say, it's it's a Coles Notes kind of version of the stuff that you don't hear about some of the worst people in history, and it's it's done with a just enough sort of joking around to make it not completely and utterly depressing. Uh, it's not something that I would suggest listening to if you are feeling in any way depressed because it is it is all very very awful. The subject matter is 
depressing, um, but it's dealt with in a very factual way. Um, <laughs> a couple of things that stand out to me are, you know, did you know that that the reason, one of the reasons anyway, that that Hitler sort of lost in a military sense is because he based a lot of his strategy on the writings of a German fiction writer who wrote about the American Old West as though he had been there, but he had never actually left Germany. Right. And I mean, still a very popular stuff. They've made movies about this guy's novels um, and it's, it's entertaining stuff, but he was very much a con man who tried to convince people that he had actually been there and done that. He had literally never left Germany. <laughs> um, Stalin wrote terrible, terrible romance novels. Ooh. Yeah. So there's, and a lot of this stuff is available. Like you can get it. It's just, it's, it's terrible anyway. So it, it's, it gives you a, a, different perspective on the lives of some of the worst people in history. And if you read or if you listen to nothing else, um, I would recommend listening to uh, the one about Jack Welch, man who basically is the reason that life is shit. Uh, yeah. So not really an uplifting parting gift, but it is it is very, very informational. And I've learned a lot. And uh, I've spent a great deal of time drinking more than I probably should. Now, I was led to believe that you don't listen to podcasts. I don't. And that's the reason that I'm recommending this to people is because I listened to the one because it's it's propped up in my life a few times. The, the one about Jack Welch. Um, and I thought, OK, I'll go listen to it and see what it's about. And I listened to the first one. Right. And the, he's been going now for I don't know how many years. There's 700 and some odd episodes. Um, and I've been listening to two or three episodes a day since I first listened to it. It is really, really good. I'm going to shoehorn a half, half parting gift in here just because it's related. Um, if you want to amp up your depression factor in particular, uh, on the long drive home, uh, like 13 hours on the road, driving back from Illinois, we're doing it one shot kind of thing i was re-listening to dan carlin's hardcore history series on the uh fall of the roman republic and now i've probably listened to that series three or four times now but the parts of it just dealing with the the, the back and forth and 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 grandstanding between like the Roman Senate and the Populares and, and all the different tactics that they took. The parallels that you see in today's society with our, our real extremist kind of um, tribal politics, uh, particularly in the United States, but we're not immune to it up here in Canada. Yeah, nothing is new. And and when you have the context and you know how it ended for, for the Roman Republic, it's real scary seeing like direct parallels. Yep. Yeah, I don't I don't have a great deal of hope for the near future. If we can avoid a few of the pitfalls, then I don't know. Maybe we maybe we get Star Trek, but I'm not real hopeful. We're more likely to get Mad Max. There's a happy thought to leave it on. Yeah. Go forth and be depressed, my minions.
Well, that was a podcast. <laughs>